before we started. Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Saturday, June 6th. I'm joined by my good buddy, Santino Cocone. Always saying it. Uh, joined over me in the Hartford, the 860. We're here to break down some baseball. So we're going, we're bouncing around. We're on the diamond now today, Santino. Uh, we're talking about the local New York Yankees. Not your favorite team. I won't even say it. Uh, my favorite team, though. So it's always fun when you get to talk about the one team that you grew up watching. But uh, how are you doing today, man? It's a little muggy out. I know I'm going to see you in a few hours, so that's not good for me, but uh, good for you, I guess. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Hopefully the weather clears up. It says cloudy with a chance of meatballs, but uh, I'm just hoping the, the sun stays out. And I, I, I couldn't help but laugh when you said the date. Did you say fixed? Yeah, I probably did. <laughs> <laughs> See, that, you know, they leave it to my uh, my best friend growing up to point out that I have a lisp. Uh, I used to, have to <laughs> I used to have a, I used to, have to go to speech speech therapy and speech classes when I was like probably, I think it was like third fourth grade something like that. I couldn't say my s's. I used to have a lisp, so I couldn't say my s's and my r's. They used to tell me my I struggled with my r's. I never heard that, so I used to argue with the lady about my r's. But my s's definitely, yeah. So thank you, thank you for pointing that out, Santi. You know, nothing like. <laughs> and so I heard you never told me that, but yeah, you know, see. sometimes when you're self-conscious about something growing up, you know, and I'm just joking. I, I really, I really don't care. I, I, I kind of laugh about it now. I mean, I still have it a little bit. It pops up, kind of grew out of it slightly, but it, it, it's there. It's there. Uh, needless, to, needless. Yeah, we're looking for some good weather. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, as Santino said. Hopefully, we get some, uh, some little grilling and some chilling action, some six-foot distance yard games going, and. Uh, you know, just have some fun. I'm, I'm looking, trying to get back to some normalcy where we can kind of have some enjoyable activities to do during this nice weather. But uh, it is what it is, you know, making the best out of it. But, you know, like I said, we're going to we're going to break down the Yankees. We're going to circle back to some baseball, uh, you know, as as it's looking like it's getting closer. Uh, you know, we keep hearing, you know, the league and the and the Players Association going back and forth on whether or not it's going to be 50, 80, 82, 114. Uh, we really don't know yet. Um, but bottom line, Trevor Bauer kind of came out and said it on a show with Pat McAfee. Uh, you know, those two guys are, I guess, are pretty good buddies. Two two good talents from two different sports that you just like to hear talk because they're both pretty funny and knowledgeable. Uh, he said that if it, he has a 95 to 100 percent certainty that there will be a season. Uh, how many games? He doesn't know. But he said there will be a season. There's going to be some sort of season. So I'm going to take Trevor Bauer's word on that. He's generally pretty open and honest when it comes to uh, issues surrounding the MLB. Even when the whole Astros scandal came out, he was very open and honest about that as well. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a side, Santi, and we're going to have some baseball. Hopefully it's not 50, though. I think everybody's in agreement that that's just not it's not even a salvageable season at that point. It's kind of like, all right, here we go. Let's just do this for some some entertainment. Um, nobody's going to take it too, too serious. But we'll see. We'll see. Did you yeah. did you have to see that Trevor Bauer thing? No, I haven't. Um, but the other day when we were on this podcast, said pretty much the same thing. It is too much at stake to not have a season. Uh, they don't look like they're anywhere close to saying yes and agreeing to each other at the moment. But um, it's only a matter of time, I think. And I, I'm hoping because if it doesn't happen, then that might not just be a bad thing this year, but that's going to be a black stain in the future for, for the league. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the MLB has been through this before. They already know what the the exact like repercussions of something like this are. And we're talking about the early '90s when it happened. If you can imagine the amount of endorsement deals, TV ads, everything else, broadcasting deals and ads 
that have kind of changed since in the past, you know, almost 30 years now. Uh, there's a lot more money into it nowadays. So you got to imagine that they're a little bit more keen on seeing what happened in the early 90s and knowing that it will have even more of an effect on it today if they don't actually get some games in there. So cross the fingers uh, soon enough. I think we'll have an answer soon enough, regardless. I think that's the that's the positive news with the with the NBA kind of coming out and saying that this is our target date, NBA, uh, July 31st. This is the date we're coming back. And, uh, you know, NHL coming close to the same thing. It's, it's kind of putting not, I wouldn't say pressure on the other leagues like the MLB, but it's it's the date's approaching. You got to have a decision sooner rather than later at this point. So, but we're going to jump into it, man. We've got a lot to get to because we're not just talking about a regular team today. We're talking about a team that has DFS options up and down the board as far as our lineup and their rotation. So we're going to be talking about a lot of players. Most teams, when, you know, we talk about a nine person lineup, there's maybe six, five, six, seven guys that we could really, really keen in on for DFS. The Yankees are like the opposite, man. We got, we're talking about guys that aren't going to be in the lineup on opening <laughs> day that are going to have some DFS uh, impact. So we'll jump right into it. I'm thinking uh, we'll just talk overall. Yankees 103 win team uh, last season. So, uh, you know, and that was with just a plethora of injuries to a lot of their core players. So, I mean, some people could come in saying that they could have the potential of being like 108 or 110 win team this season. And it wouldn't even shock me. Uh, they're that good. They're that deep. And, uh, you know, we're just going to start with the lineup. We'll break it down after following with the rotation. But let's just jump into this, man. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about we'll lead it off with their leadoff hitter, DJ LeMahieu. Second year in the Yankee uniform, came over from Colorado. Uh, MVP caliber season last season, Santino. I think he took a lot of people by surprise. Everybody knew that this kid's bat was excellent. His hit tool was great. Former silver slugger over there in Colorado. Uh, I think he made his second all-star game last season as well. But I mean, I can't. I don't think we can understate how. Uh, oh, third, third. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's why you always keep me accountable. There's one. There's one thing I can count on. It's Santino holding me accountable. Uh, and I, I listen. I will never. I'll, even if it's a listener out there, if we get something wrong, if we're maybe a little bit off, maybe we just didn't touch on it fully. Let us know, man. We don't mind the constructive criticism. I'd rather read the constructive criticism uh, than negative criticism. Uh, so <laughs> no, no worries. But uh, he had one, he had easily had his career year. Uh, something that kind of came out of out of nowhere. Nobody expected to you know necessarily see something like this. Everybody knows he's talented. It's not like his talent just ran away. Uh, it was just Colorado had a lot of middle infielders who were coming up. They had to play him somewhere. Um, and DJ LeMay, who was kind of on the outside of that, but uh, last season. 654 played appearances, 197 at-bats, had a 327 average, 33 doubles, 26 home runs, 102 RBIs, and 109 runs scored. So an incredible season. A guy that was a DFS staple, batting at the top of what could be one of the best lineups in the MLB. I mean, I mean I'm not going to say he can easily repeat the same year because that looks like it's just a career year. But, I mean, he's in place to have the same exact success that he did have last season. So why don't you touch on DJ LeMahieu, what you're expecting from him coming into this season. And, and, is, and is he a guy that we could just lock and load as a DFS staple at the top of this lineup? Yeah, so LeMahieu has always been a guy who can put the barrel on the bat and make very good contact. Uh, he batted nearly 350 one year when he won the batting title. Uh, he's a career 302 hitter. That's excellent, especially in today's day and age when uh, 270 plus means 270, 280 is the new 300. And this guy's actually batting over 300 in his career. But the the things that stuck out to me that you mentioned are, well, last year he batted three, 327, 
375 OBP and a 518 slugging. But the things that stuck out to me, obviously, and why he finished fourth in the MVP, uh, why he won the Silver Slugger, his power numbers were shattered his career highs. Uh, he hit 26 home runs, his career high before that, 15. Uh, he, he had 102 RBIs as mainly top of the order. He started on the bottom of the order. Uh, he didn't even start in that starting lineup, actually. But he had 102 RBIs, his career high before that, 66. His ISO last year was 191. His career high before that was 147. Uh, not even close to where he was in his career. He only This was only his fourth year with over a 100 ISO. Um, but the, the, the thing that stayed pretty normal was his BABIP was pretty much in line with his career. It was only a few percentage points over, so he didn't have any luck with balls in play. Um, he did hit lefties much better last year than he did in the past. So if that's something that stays nor, um, as a trend, I can see his, his hit tool getting even better. But those power numbers, man, uh, I don't fully know. I, I can't fully expect the guy who never topped 15 home runs in, in about in his entire career to now all of a sudden be someone who you can rely on for 25-plus to 30 home runs. And this, this, what I'm talking about, is a normal 162-game season. Obviously, we will not be getting that. Um, but I'm just putting it into those terms because if I say 15 home runs, it doesn't sound like a lot now if, if we're doing 80 games. Um, but I definitely want to. Oh, did you hear me? Yeah, I heard you. I was gonna say you didn't. You're telling me Lemayhu can't hit 26 home runs in 50 games if we play. You know that's not possible. Usually it's me cutting out on audio <laughs> with, with this, but I couldn't hear you when you were talking. Yeah, no, I, I, I think Is I cut it? off. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, it's probably because we're across the country right now. It's not like, you know, we're in the same exact state where, you know, it should be some, some you know, uh, it, my Skype's always giving me trouble. So sometimes I will cut out, guys. I do apologize. Uh, hopefully hopefully we're good to go. But just making right. a quick joke about LeMahieu that, he, you know, what, you don't think he can hit 26 and 50. Uh, you know, that's not possible. No, but it's, yeah. And his, his stolen bases, he was never a big Big time guy who who ran, but he would get you chip in ten to fifteen stolen bases uh, last year five, and that's obviously this team was bopping home runs. You don't really need to run when you're when you're in with this lineup with with who we're gonna get up or second, third, fourth, fifth. You don't need to be a guy who make get an out because you're you're running on the base pass. So they don't need to force any outs there. So I don't expect him to really run. Uh, the the power I I just I need to see it again to believe it because a guy who like Brian Anderson, who one time hit 50 home runs, uh, steroids, but uh, th- that's what I kind of look at. I, when a, when a leadoff hitter who is a very great contact hitter all of a sudden gets this power out of nowhere, uh, it's, it's usually an aberration and I don't want to pay up for that because he is a premium price, but he's going to hit first in maybe the best lineup in baseball. The Dodgers have something to say about that. Um, so does the Astros. Sorry, guys. But, uh, yeah, he, if I'm going to pay up for a premium price on this entire stack team, I might look at two, three, and four or five. Yeah, I think um, I think it's hard to expect those power numbers again. It's and like you said, it's shocking. Like we're trying to wrap our heads around how something like this happened. And you know, generally, if we have an approach where maybe he did something with his hands or something, we, if there was a reason why, we could buy into it a little bit more. But this guy was leaving Colorado, one of the best hitters parks. Uh, you know, guy where we, we see the ball elevate 
uh, you know, more than anywhere else. And then he goes, he's, you know, yes, Yankee Stadium's a great hitter's park, but he's a righty. So, like, you know, wh- how? how? Like, where did the 11 home runs aberration just come from? Um, and it's going to be tough to pay for that if, because you got to expect a guy coming off an MVP caliber season is going to be priced up. Um, worth paying for in, in the in the matchups where we mm-hmm. see high run totals, I think, just because if we're talking if we're talking about this guy can cross the plate three times, get a couple hits, all of a sudden he's worth that price tag. So I think those are the games where I'm going to target him. The ones where we, we're popping open the spreads early morning, we see that there's a high run total expected for this game. They're going against somebody on the mound with a, or somebody with a terrible bullpen. Factors like that where I can expect him to cross the plate at least two times are the games I'm going to want to target him in. And if he hits a home run or a double in that game, sweet. More the merrier. And, it's just a cherry on top. And some people just like the bright lights. Uh, some people can get to New York and they can't they can't hack they they're just not ready for the limelight and the the attention that you get just by playing in this city and other people love it they come here and and just something opens up and they just love the attention they love everything about playing for a new york team or a giant market team uh lemehu might be one of those guys this is going to be a second year in new york and he is already a loved guy in this city because of what he did last year with all these injuries. So maybe it is something that is a trend, but the power is just where I'm very skeptical. Yeah, and I think you have every reason to be, uh, like you said, career high. And it wasn't just like two or three home runs over his career high. It was a substantial number. Uh, and hey, maybe maybe it's the bright lights, like you said. Some We've seen plenty of guys crumble and fall apart once they come to New York. Uh, just can't do Sonny Gray, for instance, a guy that, you know, was expected to be a big part of the their, their, their rotation, struggled mightily, left New York. He's back in Cincinnati, had a great season, could put together another great season this season. So some guys can't do it. Some guys could. Um, the Bay, who easily one of the biggest Yankee fan favorites. So you hit that right on the head. Everybody loves this kid. Uh, he just anytime it's a guy that's coming in under the radar that just overperforms in New York. He's a fan favorite immediately. Uh, I think we saw that with Luke Voigt, too. And we'll get to him in a couple minutes. But. All right, man. Um, nice breakdown of LeMahieu. I think that we're both expecting another great season from him, but just maybe a step back in the power department is, is what we're taking from it. We'll keep moving, though. Number two guy in the lineup. I think this is a spot where I think we're going to have a little bit of uh, disagreement, and I think that always brings some some flavor to the show. Um, I'm having you know Aaron Judge slotted into the number two spot. I don't know if you're feeling kind of that same that same sentiment, um, if that's where you'd have him. But we'll, we'll go we'll go over his last season numbers. Uh, so they told you before the show, Judge got a bat too. Well, yeah, I mean when Torres is, Torres traditionally does terrible when he's at the top of the order. He does better in that three through five slot, and then just with Sanchez, Stanton, all this other power, uh, get get Judge's plate appearances. But 446 plate appearances last season, 103 hits, uh, 18 doubles, 27 home runs, 55 RBIs. 75 runs scored, batted 272 with a 381 OBP. Great part about Judge is that we know he's going to draw some walks. Uh, OPS of 921, though, insanely high OPS. We know Judge's power. We know his upside. It's all there. His season got cut short, though, uh, due to rib injury, Santino. So it looks like he was dealing with a fractured rib. Uh, and this is where I think we're going to have a little disagreement. I don't think it's going to be on Judge's talent. It's just going to be on how long we're waiting to play Judge. So we've talked several times about this. Um, I'm under the impression he's not swinging a bat yet. So let's just lead off with that. The news report just came out. He's still not swinging. Is that because of the whole quarantine or is that because of the injury? Um, 
I'm kind of likely like leaning towards the injury. Uh, the, he, he's been dealing with this since last season. They opted not to have surgery on it. They thought that he'd be able to just recover naturally. And they expected at the beginning of the year, um, you know, early on before spring training that he would be fine. And then once spring training rolled around, they said, OK, you know, a little bit of a setback. He's not going to be ready by opening day. And now we're here uh, in June season, perhaps month, month and a half away. And he's still not swinging. So that worries me. It's anytime it's something to do with the oblique or the rib. Um, it's something that can linger and it, it saps power. It saps a lot of things out of these hitters, especially judge. When we're talking about a big bodied guy who puts a lot of force into his swing. So I'm worried um, if he is ready to be in that lineup by opening day. I want to see it first. I want to just make sure that this guy is not trying to work and play through a rib injury that's going to sap a lot of his power and his bat speed because then we're paying a premium price with Aaron Judge, who we know is one of the most expensive outfielders in fantasy baseball and in daily fantasy baseball, but we're not getting that complete 100% Aaron Judge. So I just wanted to lead with that because that's kind of my sentiments. I'm going to approach my approach. I'm going to take in daily fantasy when it comes to judge. And I'm not going to knock you if you want to. Just, the guy's got tremendous power. Even 80 percent judge is still one of the best power hitters in baseball. Highest exit velocities in the game. So I won't knock you if you're going to play him anyway. But um, I wanted to lead with that. So now I'll pass it over to you for Aaron Judge. Let me hear your take on it um, and your sentiments. Are you going to be looking forward to, uh, towards him in DFS early on? Uh, so a couple things. Judge is going to be 28 and this is going to be his fourth season, uh, pretty much fourth major season in the in the leagues. The last two years, he's only played 102 and 118 games, so everything is a little scooed. But he will definitely be the number two hitter on this team because he is the only guy who is willing to willing and able to take walks at a high rate. Uh, he has the best plate discipline and the best eye on this team. There is, If you go down the list, nobody is even close to him. So he will be in that number two spot, assuming he's healthy. Um, I will try. I will target him. He is. He just has crazy power. He hasn't been able. He never. He hasn't matched that rookie year because of all these injuries. But um, he does have that crazy power. In in that rookie year, he had a 343 ISO uh, last year. In 102 games of injury, uh, injured games uh, where he's playing through that injury the whole time, he still had a 267 ISO. Uh, he still had a 243 OPS plus, and his 360 BABIP is pretty much in line with where he was. So I just see if he is healthy, he is the second hardest hitter in baseball, pound for pound. And we will get to who the hardest is in a few moments. But this guy just has that power that can change a slate on any any given any given swing, any given at bat. And that's something that I want to look at when I am targeting uh, people. I want to see who has the best chance of hitting a home run. And it's Aaron Judge, especially against righties. He is a righty, but his platoon edge versus righties is much better than versus lefties. Not sure why that is, but it's evident throughout his career so far. Um, But, yeah, I want to see where he is health-wise. And if he looks pretty good say say they do start in the beginning of july and he is practicing when we come back i was under the impression that maybe he's not even swinging the bat because we don't know what the season looks like right now uh they they might not even have a season so why is he going to go out there and maybe risk something um if he doesn't have to get that extra rest while you still can 
Yeah, and I hope that's the case, too, because who doesn't want to just slot in there and judge when we could? Uh, you know, you, you touched on the the tremendous power. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the other guy, but there's literally four guys in the MLB who have this type of power that are even close. It's Judge. It's Giancarlo Stanton that we'll get to. It's Miguel Sano. Uh, I believe Fran Mel Reyes is up there for exit velocity, and all these guys have something in common. They're absolute tanks. There's no there's no surprise to it. They're, they're some of the biggest bodies. When we think of guys like this, you know, I can't help but think of a guy like Ryan Howard. And, you know, when just guys that when they put the barrel on the ball, it's going to fly, uh, you know, opposite field straight away. Pole hitters doesn't matter. They have they can the best the best power hitters in baseball when I think of these guys. So, um, yes, obviously, all those guys also have swinging strike rate in common. But you touched on it. Judge may have a high swinging strike rate, but he has a great eye. Um, that just means that he's not afraid to swing at pitches. He's going to get the green light regardless of the count to swing the bat. And it's because of that raw power. So. All right, man. Uh, hopefully he's healthy by the time of the regular season, but we'll keep it moving uh, to the another all-star, man. It, it, every, everybody in this lineup could be an all-star. When you look at the OPSs yeah. of everybody in this lineup, it's pretty much everybody's over 800. It's insane. The, uh, only, the oh. toughest thing about this lineup is to try and stack it because everybody is going to be priced at a premium, especially in that top five. If you're kind of trying, usually when you're stacking a lineup, you want to get couple people at the top of the order if you can this if you're trying to get a couple people at the top of the order you need a pitcher that it is at the bottom of the the slate in the in terms of dfs pricing because lemayhu judge torres dan sanchez and we'll get to the other guys who are cheaper and should be in your stacks if, if you do it but those five they're going to be amongst the top three to five pretty much on any slate and when it's a good matchup for them they you can't put them any 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 ugh. Any lower on that list for pricing. Yeah, and I think the best time that we might be able to stack these guys might be early in the season because that's when we generally see the biggest price discrepancies for some players. Like we'll get we're gonna get some of these really young pitchers with tremendous uh, K upside early on in the season for cheap. And, you know, eventually that's going to sort itself out if they end up being as good as they could be and the strikeout rate is real. Their price is going to go up and we're not going to have that opportunity to necessarily stack this team. So I think early on, if you want to take a look at a guy like, you know, I'm trying to think of someone that comes to my mind, like Mitch Keller, somebody like that, who we know has you know tremendous prospect pedigree, struggled mightily last season, has some K upside. He's probably going to be dirt cheap, but we know the talent is secretly there. He could be very good. So if you want to take a shot on a guy like that and then pair him with another pitcher, yeah, you'll have the opportunity to spend up. But if you're looking to get two good arms in there, you're absolutely right. We're not paying for the top of the order here. Uh, it's going to be tremendously tough. So um, let's look at the next guy, Glaber Torres, uh, another guy who just all star 38 home runs last season. Insane talent. One of their, their top prospect coming in for the past few seasons in the second season. Uh, 144 games last season, 603 plate appearances, 152 hits, uh, 26 doubles, 38 home runs, 90 RBIs, 96 runs scored, five stolen bases, had a 278 average, 337 OBP, and a 872 OPS. So, Santino, I know you're excited about him. I think everybody's got to be excited about Glaber Torres. And, you know, the number one thing I think about Glaber Torres from last season and his numbers are his splits. Um, you know, just knowing what he did over there in Camden, a lot of people are, you know, look at that and they think, is that real? Um I mean, it's a great hitter's park, but <laughs> did you he listen to any of the, did, Yeah, did you watch any of the games last season when he go there? Just the way the announcers grudged him. 
Uh, when you listen to the, the, the Baltimore announcers, like, oh, great, here we go. Gleyber Torres up again. Wonder what's going to happen. And for those who don't really know the entire story, he had about 66 plate appearances against the Orioles last season. 13 home runs and 66 plate appearances against them. So he absolutely mashed them. Uh, and his slugging against them was 1,045. Uh, 1, I don't think you can really have a better slugging against a particular team and a 15-12 a OPS. So uh, a guy that's going to just keep getting better year in and year out for this team. He's he's a foundational piece. He's going to be manning shortstop for him, heart of the lineup. He's going to be sandwiched in between two of the best power hitters. So the RBI total will be there for him. The run the the run total will be him for him because he's going to have the the security blanket behind him. Man, I can't say enough. The only thing I guess I can say negative about Gleyber Torres is that it's what we were just talking about, the price tag. Um, we're going to be paying an insane price tag for him. And shortstop, to me, is a position over the past few years that used to be uh, very weighted down. There used to not be there used to be like five top options, um, especially for power. But now we have a ton of power at shortstop. There's maybe 10 guys that could have 30-plus home run potential at that position now. So... Let me get your take on Gleyber Torres. I mean, obviously, he's worth the price tag, but do you think you're going to spend up on him more often than not? Um, yeah, it, it depends. And like you said, short, it all depends on the slate. It's very hard to say what mm-hmm. I'm going to do without even looking at who, what the price tags are, what the slates yeah. are, on uh, who's playing. But this is just a general broad overview of how I like the guy. And just, just to put it in perspective how good he's been, he, this is only the third year in, his league, in, in the league he's entering this year. And he's been a two-time All-Star already. Uh, so last year wasn't just his first good year. Last year was the first year that he just busted out because he had to. And you, you saw it. He pretty much, him and LeMahieu carried this team, um, among others. But they carried this team when everybody else was hurt. Uh, Judge was hurt. Stanton was hurt. Sanchez was hurt. Hicks was hurt. Severino was hurt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even their backups got hurt. Everybody got hurt on this team. Um, this guy didn't, and this guy just balled out. He was a top-tier prospect coming up for years, uh, and he has not disappointed in that investment since. I I really like him. He's improved both years. Last year, his BABIP was only 321, so that shows me there's even more improvement. He's not. That's that's pretty much under the um, the BABIP that you want for or the league average for BABIP. So he can only improve on that. Uh, his plate discipline was getting is getting better, and as he matures, it's only going to get even better. The kid's only 23 years old. Um, just so many good things to see for from him coming up. And he his his splits versus righties and lefties are pretty similar. It's it's not a it's Almost right there on even, so uh, you can you can bat or you can play this, get against righties or lefties. It doesn't really matter. Um, and he's only he struck out 120 times plus in both years, which is something that young kid young guys do. Uh, he's only been in the league two years. You would think it, this guy wasn't or has been around for a while, but he's only been in the league two years. So you can see that with with age and in experience comes more improvement in that end. Um, but I'm going to try and pay up for him when I can. But at the same time, like you said, shortstop is deep. There are so many talented shortstops now, and it all depends on who's who you're pitching against, uh, which team, um, and and with how much money he's going to cost and who I can get around him uh, besides that. Because if, if Torres is costing the same as uh, like Sanchez, Judge, and, and, and um, Stanton, and I can get um, – 
I don't know, maybe a Bo Bichette or somebody uh, decent enough that has a good matchup for a lot less money, that's where I'll target because that's the only thing that is going to make me not be able to get so many big, big guys from the Yankee stacks is their exorbitant price tags, which rightly so. Yeah, and uh, Bo, I, lo- I love me some Bo. Um, I kind of have some sentiments to him. Like I mentioned some of those Cam- uh, Camden Yard stats that he had, and I'm almost kind of viewing him, you know, I do think that the power potential was real last season. The 3,800, the 38 home runs, I think was real. Uh, do I expect 38 to 40 home runs again? I'm probably going to take him down a slight peg, maybe around more like that, you know, of course, 162 full game season. We're talking here, 33, 34, which is still fantastic. I want to take a couple away just because the Camden Yards thing, that's a great park to hit in. Um, you know, even if we were to take away six home runs from there that he had, he'd still have seven. And that's kind of what I'm doing where I still think that's a little bit more realistic. He could easily make up those other seven home runs spread across other parks, but I want to take a little bit of that into account and just try to be a little bit realistic with it. If he, if he over exceeds my expectations, that's only better. Um, but I'm going to say like maybe 33 to 35 home runs to 38, you know, 40. I I don't know if I'm going to expect that again. That just seemed like it was just hot at the right times in the right park. Uh, but you touched on his splits. Yeah, he's actually obviously he has a little bit more power against right handed pitching. That's where he caught 29 of his home runs as opposed to 29 but or nine against left handed pitchers. Uh, but the BABIP is almost uh, identical 285 against righty. So you could say he has a lower BABIP, but he has more power. But and then 330 against lefties. Uh, average and OBP almost identical. Slugging is almost identical. So you can play him no matter who he's going against. It's really not going to matter. He's a great one-off play. If you can afford to stack him, we'll stack him too. But uh, a lot of good things about about Glaber that we're excited about. And I don't think that uh, you know anything's really steering us clear from him. So uh, we'll keep it moving, man. We'll keep it moving. Number four hitter. Uh, back in the lineup, I guess we could say. Uh, <laughs> Mr. John Carlos Stanton. Um, formerly so known as Mike, Mike Stan. Absolutely. <laughs> from the, from the, I actually have a Mike Stanton rookie card, Santino. I, I, I remember when I was going through cards I had for a long time ago, I, I've stumbled across and I'm like, Mike Stan kind of looks like that guy, John Carlos. <laughs> uh, but exactly. He, uh, when he, when he defected, he did change his name. He's John Carlos. I'm excited about him. I'm excited to get him back in the lineup. We just talked about the power that this dude has. It's There's no secret behind it. This dude can absolutely mash it. He's been one of the best power hitters. And it's no secret that he's suffered through injuries. Um, some of these injuries have been freak injuries. Taking a ball off the jaw uh, isn't something that you can account for. And a lot of the injuries are something that we see with guys like you know Aaron Judge, who are just big-bodied, hard swingers. Sometimes they're dealing with oblique injuries. Sometimes they're dealing with back injuries. A lot of those things could be debilitating. But... Nonetheless, he looks like he's going to be good to go, and he looks like he's going to be at the heart of this power, uh, in, in the lineup. And I'm expecting regular old John Carlos Stanton season as long as he's healthy. So another reason why I'm probably going to wait on Aaron Judge is because I can get a I can get a healthy Aaron Judge right now, um, and probably be significantly cheaper because I think the power's there. Everybody knows about the power with Stanton, uh, but everybody also knows that he's been out of the lineup. So I'm I'm expecting a little bit of a, de- a depressed salary from him. Maybe it's something more like you know forty two. 4,300 when Judge might be 49 the, to 5. In the Sims, 4,300, it's crazy high. Yeah, well, during during the regular season, you'll see guys like, uh, let's say, Aaron Judge would probably be like 46, 47, and then Mike Trout can get up to over 5K. Mike Trout, we see 49, 48 to 5K, 5,100. So we, we're, again, we're, we're throwing out imaginary price tags right now. 
but I'm expecting, let's say, whatever it is, a few hundred dollars cheaper than a guy like Aaron Judge for the same kind of power upside, the same sort of uh, RBI total that he can have, same sort of run total. I mean, there's no weak spot in this lineup. So I think everybody at every point in time has great RBI and run uh, scoring capabilities in here. But, I mean, we can't really take anything from last season. Um serious but why don't you talk about what you're expecting from a healthy Stanton and do you think the the shortened season helps him um I mean obviously this guy struggled to stay healthy we talked about freak injuries but maybe the shortened season gives us a chance to get a full workload out of this out of him yeah so speaking of injuries uh, the last 2018-2017 he was healthy uh, but he's only had he's played 10 years in the league. He's only had three years where he's played over 150 games, and two of them happen to be in the last three years. So he does get injured a lot. Uh, it is something that is relevant in his career that he misses a lot of time. Uh, but in DFS, we know you're going to miss time, so it's not going to hurt you if you're not in the lineup. Just don't play him. Um, but he only played 18 games in 2019, as we saw the injuries. I uh, just kept. You kept thinking he was coming back. You were like, oh, is he coming back? No, he's not coming back. It was it was a whole thing there. But Stanton is easily the strongest guy in the league, and it's not even close. He dominates exit velocity every year. Uh, last year, he still had the top two highest hit balls for exit velocity, despite only 72 plate appearances. That's absolutely insane, and I I don't have any words on how he did that, that he still had the top two highest exit velocity hits, and he only he didn't even have 80 at-bats, or 80 plate appearances, not at-bats. Um, and in 2018, when he played 158 games his first full year in, in New York, he was he had 10 of the top 12 highest hit, hardest hit balls and exit velocity on the season. Uh, if that doesn't scream out that this guy is just a massive specimen just a tank of a person then i don't know how else to spell it out for you um but anytime especially that i see a left-handed pitcher on the mound that is when i definitely want to target john carlos stanton because he sees a power surge versus lefties um and he see he has a better batting average versus lefties he, not that he's not that saying that he can't do it against a right-hander which he, he does a lot but that lefty just gives him that edge and it's just um a guy who can hit 40 home runs uh, on any given year is something that I want to target when he's facing a lefty. Speaking of 40 home runs, he's only done it once in his whole career. Just one time, he's only hit over 40 home runs. Multiple times, he's hit 37. He hit 38 once, but he's only hit over 40 once. That was his MVP year. He's only had 100 RBIs three times in his career. A lot of that, though, is due to not playing a full season. So if you extrapolate that against for 162 game season he averages over 40 home runs and 100 rbis he's going to be batting cleanup in a monster lineup lemayhu judge torres him and then he has sanchez protecting him a healthy stanton in it on a any sort of discount i mean yeah, pff, he, yeah i'm out of work you, you, like this entire lineup you can say the same thing in the right scenario take him that that's pretty yeah. much sums it up sign me up uh, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, even I know this is a DFS podcast, but he's a guy that I have, you know, starred and circled for a year long league as well. Um, just expecting, you know, a really good bounce back season for him. Uh, hopefully if he's healthy, that's that's the number one thing. When it, when he's on the field, we know what we're getting from him. Um, he's just an absolute 
behemoth of a man. You talked about that hard hit rate and the exit velocity that he poses. And if we're getting him at a discount, sign me up. But let's keep it moving, man, because uh, we, we're halfway through the lineup. I told you, we got a lot of players to talk about and still <laughs> get to the pitcher. So we'll keep it moving. Gary Sanchez, Mr. Cheese Man, Gary Sanchez. Uh Looking like the protection for Mr. Stanton uh, played 106 games last season. So that's he's another guy that health is always just a major factor with him. Uh, had another all star caliber year, though. 446 played appearances, 396 at bats, scored 62 runs, uh, nine, 92 hits yeah. total, 77 RBIs, 34 home runs. Uh, talk about his batting average, not the best, 232, 316 OBP, a 525 slugging with a 841 OPS. Uh, but I think with, with Sanchez, you know, one thing that they've been working on in the offseason, he's always been an actual terrible catcher. He's not a good catcher. He's a great hitter, not a good catcher. He's, he's had complaints about his pitch framing time and time again. Um, and, you know, part of it is he, the stance that he was sitting in, the Yankees are trying to work on. But they want him to be healthy. They want him to be able to play more than a, 106 games. And if, you know, maybe the shortened season is the biggest benefit for him, uh, simply because you, you know that he's a guy that kind of tends to wear down after he's been playing a lot. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. He's not also, you know, he's a little chubby. He's a little chubby guy behind the plate as well. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking into this new hole catching stance and this new pitch framing. And those are things that would take him off the field. And if he's going to be on the field more and he's going to be in the lineup more, I'm cool with it. I mean, let's be real. He's, he's got he's a top three catcher in the league when it comes to his. I mean, we can even say best power hitting catcher in the league. Oh, easily. Bar, bar none. I mean, you could say JT Real Muto is a better mm. overall hitter when it comes to average, maybe. Um, just putting the barrel on the ball, it's close, but he's easily the best power hitting catcher. So when we think about that power, that's the upside we're looking for in DFS. We talk about who's in front of him and who's behind him. Let's be real. He's, he's probably the best DFS catcher option that there is. And he's eventually probably going to work his way as he ages over to the first base position for them, I'm assuming, down the road. Staple of this lineup. Why don't you break down a little bit about Gary Sanchez? I think you know a lot of people already know what to expect from him, though. So last year, we know Judge was playing through an injury. He had a 267 ISO. Um, Sanchez was hurt again. I mean, he's The most games he's played in his career so far um, is 122. So he does get injured a lot. Uh, he's eventually going to have to play DH because that's just where his, his career is going, his trajectory is going, that he's going to play DH because he's not a great defensive catcher, as you mentioned. And as the more he gets, the more he ages, the, the worse that you want him to be behind the plate. But um, his Sanchez's ISO last year was 293 as a catcher, nearly 300 ISO, um, just easily not even comparable, the strongest catcher in the league when it comes to um, um, his his overall pound-for-pound pound strength. Um, I, I mentioned Stanton was the, the top two in, in exit velocity and hardest hit balls. Sanchez was the third. His his he had the third highest uh, hit ball, hardest hit ball there. Um, but this guy's been injured the past few years. Last year only played 106 games. Uh, he doesn't get many doubles, but that's because they travel over the fence a lot. 34 home runs in 106 games last year. Uh, that's not an aberration because he's hit 18 and 89 games, hit 33 and 122 games. This dude has just massive power. Uh, that you don't see from a catcher regularly that you with the last time you've seen this maybe have been Mike Piazza um, another guy who wasn't great in the field but his bat kept him in the lineup and kept him at the position 
Unfortunately, Sanchez can't really play DH that much. They want him to play more DH, but they also have Stanton, who is a better right fielder than left fielder, but so is Judge. Uh, so we'll have to see how that works out. They also have Aaron Hicks, who's coming back from injury. I don't know if he's ready to play the field. He had Tommy John surgery. And they also have another guy, Miguel Andohar, who we'll get to also, who is can't play the field really, and his best position is first base probably or DH. Uh, so there are many hurdles to make Sanchez your full-time DH, so he's going to have to definitely improve in his, um, on his pitch framing and, and his calling of a game. Uh, but yeah, this he's going to be the highest price catcher. It's it's just no debate about that because of his power potential. Uh, if I can fit him in my lineup, I'm definitely going to do it. This guy, he hits righties much better than lefties, both power and contact. So I'm going to go righty on righty matchup most of the time. Uh, but he might be, he's one of the best options in this lineup on a pound for pound scale. His he hits home runs at an average clip higher than everybody else in this lineup. And when you're doing that again over a judge and a Stanton as a, at a catcher position, which is a wasteland after the top five, six, seven, um, it, it's a no brainer for me. Yeah. There's probably no better, like no difference or I'm sorry, no bigger difference when it comes to like a replacement level player at, at that position when it comes to like Gary Sanchez. You know, you can find if you don't want to pay the price tag and you want to, you know, go dumpster diving in an outfield, <laughs> you'll find a lot better options than you will if you're if you're talking about a catcher. You know, when you're talking about a, like a, let's say a three thousand dollar outfielder compared to a three thousand dollar catcher, the three thousand dollar catcher is probably batting like point zero nine one uh, realistically. You know, like they, they, there's not a lot of good ca- hitting catchers out there, and we've seen that time and time again. So. Uh, I'm actually going to be gravitating towards him more than probably any other player, like I just said, when I'm talking about that replacement level player and just the fact that the shortened season will benefit Gary Sanchez probably more than anybody, any other player in the MLB, Um, just simply because he'll be able to literally be able to play more. Uh, That's the bottom line. And that's the biggest factor we're talking about. Everybody in this Yankees lineup is health. How often are they going to play? How often are they going to have all these? I mean, realistically, they probably have what, five or six guys that could hit 40-plus home runs? Like, yeah. that, would it, that wouldn't shock you. Um, I mean, Glaber, we're kind of given a couple, too. And Luke Voigt, we'd need to stay healthy for an entire season. But the power is there for a lot of these guys. And they're going to be hot commodities. So that's it for the cheese. We'll keep it moving. Mr. Gary Sanchez to Mr. Luke Voigt. And I am Sanchez. Uh, I don't know about you. I, I don't, I, Luke Voigt could bat. Sixth, but I don't believe if you have five righties already, yeah, you're I, don't, yep. I don't think you throw in a sixth. I mean, one thing that is going to be hard for this team is that all their best players are right handed hitters. They only have four people who can bat lefty. Uh, that is Brett Gardner, who might get this spot out of necessity because he he's breaking up the entirely right top five and then behind him. Uh, Mike Talkman, who, if someone is going to lose their job first, it would be Mike Talkman, and second, it would be Brett Gardner. So it's just, I mean, those are your top two lefties right now. Uh, third, Aaron Hicks. We don't know fully if he's recovered from that UCL. I saw he was, he should be back in time because he was doing aggressive training uh, a month or two ago, so he might be ready now. But he's a switch hitter. Um, again, if he, but if he takes someone's job, it would be Talkman or it would be Gardner. So you're just replacing a guy who can bat, who is a lefty with a guy who can bat lefty. And then Mike Ford, uh, a backup first baseman who is not going to start, but could get the occasional start against, uh, righties again. 
So the only thing that's weird about this team is everyone that is talented or 90% of this lineup is going to be right-handed batters. So I think they might try and change it up, but on a pure talent base and who fits, it would be Voight. Uh, but that righty, 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 righty lineup might be something that um, Boone doesn't want to do, and I, I wouldn't blame him. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I, I'm looking at a lot of the projected lineups, and he's slotted sick the most projected lineups, but you're, you're a baseball savant when you talk about that kind of stuff, Santino. So that's a great point. You know, you got to have some – uh, you know, some 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 change in your lineup. You can't just like righty mash everybody. That's not going to work. Um, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's not batting sixth. I think that's where I, I have him penciled now, just because he's probably the sixth best bat in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked. You're absolutely right. If they if they want to switch it up and get a lefty in there, I don't think they'd go Gardner. Um, Hicks but, is well, a definite yeah. there if he's healthy uh, because he is a big, powerful guy. Uh, he They paid him that contract, and he that's where he was batting when he was playing, too, f- mm-hmm. fifth, sixth uh, in that lineup, even even higher, sometimes fourth, third, second, but in that top six. Gardner, I don't think they ideally want him to bat there. Um, neither do they want Talkman to bat there, but at some point you can't have so many guys batting in the same spot and then um, – then you're, you put your all your righties next to each other, and then your two lefties uh, next or back to back too. That's kind of a, a weird situation, but we'll see how how Boone makes it. I mean, this lineup's not going to have trouble anyway. It's just a matter of late in games when you're bringing in your um, relief pitchers, you can bring in a righty spec or a big righty guy to get these guys out possibly instead of having to mix and match. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll just uh, so I guess we'll just we'll talk about Voight as though he's let's say he is batting sick. He, yeah. I, I agree. I'm, I'm now that we're talking about it in, in there. Um, Hicks is the best guy for that spot. Absolutely. No doubt about it. If he's healthy uh, and maybe he does DH for the first six to ten games or so. Maybe they, they go with that approach. Um, like you said, the, he could still hit. I mean, we've seen Shohei Otani still hit uh, after going through UCL surgery. So, like, guys can still hit um, as they're recovering. Maybe they want to ease them back into the field, and I can see them taking that approach with Aaron Hicks and, you know, give him, give him the DH spot. And if it's a shortened season, like I said, that's going to be the biggest benefit for the Yankees is having Sanchez behind the plate and not having to use that DH spot on him and being able to use it on a guy like Stanton or Hicks or they have so many options. Let's be realistic. Yeah. They can, they can go with so many guys in that spot and it wouldn't be missing a beat. Like I'm sure there's probably, you know, five to 10 teams out there that would, wouldn't mind trading for one of these bats to have another good bat in their lineup or another DH option on their team. Uh, and then that could be the Yankees Avenue to getting some extra pitching a prospect or another lefty in their lineup. But we'll go, we'll keep going. Uh, Mr. Voigt. Had his season cut short due to sports hernia, um, you know, something that he struggled with. And that's just not something that a guy can really play through and be successful. It's not possible, really. 118 games last season, 429 played or at bats. I'm sorry, 510 played appearances, uh, had 21 doubles, 72 runs scored, 21 home runs, 62 RBIs. And he uh, batted 263, great OBP, 378. This guy has an amazing eye when it comes to the plate. 464 slugging, 842 OPS. So he's got some power. He's got a great eye. He's one of my favorite targets on this Yankee team if we're talking about DFS. Just because when you look at this entire team, he's a guy that you don't necessarily have to pay up for. But you're still getting some power. You're still getting some great RBI and run run total uh, out of him. And 
let's be real. First base, there's a lot of top options, um, but it's also one of the shallower positions, in my opinion, Santino. So it's a great guy that we can slot in at first base in our lineups for DFS and not have to pay for. So I love Luke Voigt. He's one of the guys I have circled that I'm going to be most excited to play in this Yankee lineup. And that may be a little shocking uh, going just off of every other name value and all the other power potential and everything else we just talked about. But why don't you break down a little bit of Luke Voigt, uh, how you're anticipating his role is going to be this season, uh, if he's healthy for all the games, obviously. Uh, yeah, another guy. I'm definitely targeting him, too. Uh, we were talking about it's going to be hard to get Yankee stacks, but that's the top five guys because they're going to be priced up high. This guy is going to be in the same premium lineup. He should bat either sixth or seventh. Either way, he's going to be that in many, many lineups. That's not a great spot, seven. But this lineup, that's... Uh, that's a power spot in this lineup because everybody on this team is a stud and an all-star. Um, this he's only he only played 118 games, 21 home runs last year. Wow. Um, he his his ISO was 200. Another guy. It just shows this team is just so powerful. Um, but yeah, I, I like him as a cheap option for a great target as a cheap option if you want to get more Yankee exposure. Um, and he has proven to be a great source of power in this stack lineup. So that's two, those are things that I'm looking for. He's weirdly, uh, I don't know what it is with the Yankees, but they've, he's been better versus righties in his small career sample size. Um, it's similar, but he's a little bit better than righties. So maybe that keeps him in that sixth spot because of his blitz. But yeah, for he's, he struck out 142 times last year. So he does K a lot, but he does have a great eye. He takes a lot of walks and, you're, and he does have the power, and he's going to have the opportunity to drive these guys in. Um, he's just an easy target for me when I want to get Yankees exposure, or if I am just one any Yankee. If I'm trying to stack the Yankees, you need a guy like him in there who's not going to be a high price tag. Or if you just want Yankee exposure at a cheap price, easy target for me. Uh, and that's pretty much what I'm going to say about a lot of these next guys. But he is the first of the cheap guys that I want, even more than Aaron Hicks. Absolutely. So I don't want to spend too much time on him just because we're we're, we're, yeah. we're spending a lot of time on the Yankees. So we're going to try to uh, power through. I just had one quick question. Could you see him bat in second if Judge isn't healthy? Because he's got the eye. He's got the, um, he's got the eye. And if they're looking for a guy to maybe, you know, spread these righties out a little bit, they can move him up to second, perhaps. I don't think that's ideal. But I think with this lineup, they can get away with it. That's a possibility. I mean, he was batting in their, their one of their cleanup spots last year, so before the injury. So it's a possibility that he gets up there because he has a better eye than a. Um, you don't want to put. You need Stanton at his fourth. That's where he's the most comfortable. But he has a better eye than a Torres right now. He has a better eye than a Sanchez right now. Uh, Hicks maybe, but I, I can see him jumping up to. Too, it, it makes like it just makes more sense. He has a better eye than an Andujar as well, who we'll get to. Yep. So we'll just keep it moving. Um, again, we still have to get to the pitching guys. We apologize, <laughs> but this is the it's the Yankees. What do you want us to do? Every single guy in this team is is noteworthy. Uh, you don't get um, that. So, not even every single guy, or you sit on the team. But I, I thought you meant lineup at first. But yeah, not every guy every guy in the starting lineup is noteworthy. There are multiple guys on the bench that should start on most teams. Absolutely. So I mean, this is where the uh, the lineup I guess could be determined or uh, is up for interpretation. I guess yeah. um, this bottom half. So uh, you know, Tauschman is slated to start at the beginning. It, it, it could be Tauschman. Just you know, it could be uh, Gardner. Uh, either one of those guys. I think that they'll probably opt to keep Urshela towards the bottom of the order just to have that nice swing. 
but who do you think, I guess, is going to be the number? I mean, we'll talk Hicks, I guess, because that's the guy that I guess we're anticipating to bat six, Voight bat seven. So why don't we talk about Aaron Hicks? If he's healthy. Yeah. And that's the and that's the biggest factor. So uh, a healthy Aaron Hicks. You know, what should we expect to see from him coming off of, uh, you know, plagued year? They paid up for him. They want to use this guy, switch hitter, the only switch hitter that they have in their lineup. Break down a little bit of Aaron Hicks' actions. Um, and we'll do it fairly quickly if we could. Yeah, so just quick. Um, if Aaron Hicks is healthy, I could see this team just being – him being the only guy who can bat lefty in a in an ideal lineup because Indohar – should bat DH if this team is fully healthy, um, and and Hicks could play center and Stanton could play left field. Uh, worse on the defensive side, but if they wanted their maximized best lineup, that's that's the one that you want to target. But we'll we'll go straight into Hicks. He's gonna be he's 30 years old. Last year he played 59 games. That is has been a microcosm for his entire career. Injuries have plagued this guy uh, more so. I said it with Stanton. He gets injured pretty much every year. This guy literally gets injured uh, pretty much every year of his career. He had Tommy John surgery in October, which we touched on. Uh, so we don't know if he's going to be playing. And if he does, can he even play the field? Otani did not play the field last year. And shout out to Otani. Damn. He had, he showed what he did with a torn ACL or UCL. Um, so, wow. Uh, but we'll so get to good. that in another yeah. time. Um, but yeah, if a healthy Hicks is out there, he has 30 home run power potential easily. Uh, this guy, if he can play in 162 games, he, he would average, uh, that he, he would definitely hit 30 home runs in a, in a healthy year, but he just can't stay healthy. And another guy like you, you've been saying will definitely benefit from a shorter season, uh, because it's less wear and tear. We just don't know exactly what his full-time position would be, um, because of that that injury concern and that injury history, um, <clears throat> but he um, that that's pretty much it. Can he play yeah. the field? If he can't play the field, then that just Stanton is the the ideal candidate right now, or he's the the favorite to start at DH. But he could potentially push Talkman out and play left field. But then you still have Andahar, you still have Hicks. Sanchez will need some days off and play DH. If Hicks can't play the field, that will be a detriment to his DFS value and his and just fantasy in general because that's where he's going to get most of his playing time. But if he can play the field, another guy I definitely want to target in a stacked lineup who's who will bat in that sixth spot or or maybe I mean you can't it's hard to push Sanchez farther, but he will bat in a prominent spot, have a lot of RBI opportunities. Uh, he has a power bat. And he's not going to cost you that much. He's going to cost you probably 3000 or under. And that's where you want to get this Yankee exposure when you can. Absolutely. Um, only sentiments I have to say is that end part that you just left off on it. He's going to be cheap. He's going to be one of the best lineups in baseball. And when you talk about Bob of the orders, these are guys that would probably be in the heart of the orders. Um, and on probably 40% of the other MLB teams, they wouldn't be batting seven or eight or six. And, uh, 30 home run potential um, in a full season if he's healthy. We'll probably never get a full healthy season out of him, but shortened season is a good thing for him. So we'll keep it moving. Mr. Aaron Hooks is definitely going to be a target of ours, I think, if he's in that lineup. And and he, in that 2008 season uh, or 18 season when he played 137 games, uh, that was, he was significantly better as a left-handed Pat. He was better, similar power from both sides, but, Overall, as a as a hitter and contact hitter, significantly better as a left-handed bat. So that would he definitely put him up higher in the lineup. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll go to one of the only other lefties that they have in their lineup. A uh, guy that I'm not excited about. I mean, I think if you're a Yankee fan, you love him. You can't you can't hate him. He's like one of the prototypical faces of the Yankees. Uh, Mr. Brett Gardner. Uh, getting up there in age, though. Kind of on the downward end of his career. Still a fantastic fielder. That's the reason why they keep him in the lineup. It's not because of his bat. It's because he's one of the fastest center fielders in the league that can cover the most ground. He's excellent. Uh, but a guy that if we were to peg one player that could potentially lose their job over the next season, it's probably Brad Gardner, just because of how many outfielders that the Yankees do have that are game ready, that are young, that have great bats in their lineups. Um, so I'm not really excited about Gardner. I'll, I'll run through his stats real fast. And, and you know, 491 at bats, 86 runs scored. Uh, excuse me, 28 home runs. Am I reading this correctly, Santino? Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's funny that Why you said talk about that. Funny I wanted to put some emphasis on that because I, I, I'm I'm not counting on that. No. And it's funny I'm that not. you were touting his defense. It's such a Yankee fan thing to do. Uh, he's Brett, Brett Gardner is not a great defender anymore. It's not it's not 2010. It's 2020. Uh, he will be 37 in August. And you mentioned it career high shattering 28 home runs, 74 RBIs. Those are both two career highs. 20 um, his 26 doubles was the second highest of his career. Uh, career low, 10 stolen bases. So he's that. That's this is not a, a this is an aberration. He's not going just because he's not stealing bases anymore because he's getting ancient. It feels like he's been in New York forever. Uh, he is not going to continue hitting 28 to 30 home runs a year. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I like him for for cheap Yankee exposure. He I mean, he's one of the few options. Um, and I, I would in the right slate, but he is not a guy I'm going to target. I mean, this power surge all of a sudden is not something that I'm buying into. Um, he is one of only three three lefties, four people who can bat lead if he, he's much better versus righties. But I mean, when have you – if you're counting on Brett Gardner really in your DFS team or your season-long leagues, uh, there are just so many better options out there. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm same sentiment. If I'm playing him, it's against the righty. Uh, the the drastic drastic splits when we talk about righty versus lefty, especially for his power. Uh, 23 of those 28 home runs came against right-handed pitchers. Bad at 265 against right-handed pitchers as opposed to 212 against lefty. So I guess if you do want to target him, if you do want cheap exposure, you're doing it against a right-handed pitcher. But I'm probably not gonna. And let's see, let's be let's be real. Um, maybe I, I don't think I'll ever. Play. Um, I'm just gonna start start off by saying that I've never liked Brett Gardner as like an option as far as DFS. I look for those high upside guys that I play GPPs. If, you know, maybe if you are gonna play, if it's in a cash game where you're not looking for you know a 15 or 16 point game from him, you, you'll be happy with the six or five or eight that you might get from him getting a couple hits. Uh, but I'm looking for the upside to take down a GPP, and he doesn't have that GPP-type upside for me. He'll have that GPP-type ownership, um, but that's for a reason. So we'll keep it moving to Pretty one of my player favorite who players. you like on your team, but not on your fake team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're the Yankee fans, I, I let off with it. They absolutely love this dude. And I'm probably one of the one Yankee fans who doesn't. I mean, I'm not a huge Brett Gardner guy. I've never really been. Um I don't know. Take it with it is. I guess I guess he kind of like replaced like the, the Johnny Damon mold. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, just that guy that is a quiet dude that just comes into the clubhouse, does his job. All his teammates love him. Yankee fans loved him. Red Sox fans even love Johnny Damon more. But um, 
that's pretty much it. We'll keep it moving. Yeah. Gio Urshela. Um, I love this kid, man. I love Gio Urshela, a guy that I will pl- probably have a ton of exposure to. I think I'm probably going to have more exposure to the bottom of the Yankees lineup than I will the top, as crazy as that sounds. And I think it's just based off of the price tags. Uh, Gio Urshela last season – uh, came on, man. He came on. He wasn't the guy that the Yankees were expecting much from, but he definitely showed his worth. And I, I, I can't say it. Um, you know, the power is not necessarily going to be there for him. He's going to have modest power, but this kid is an absolute stud. Um, I, I absolutely love him. Bottom of the lineup, he's going to have LeMahieu, who's a guy that's going to be batting behind him, who's just a, a hits average guy who can easily bat 314 to 320. Plenty of opportunity for him to score runs still at that bottom of the lineup. So. I want you to touch on Gio Urshela real quick for us. Then we'll touch on a couple of these other Yankee bats that aren't going to be in the lineup, and we'll move on to pitching. So we differ a lot on here. I do not think he's a stud, and I'm not sure I buy the, the power numbers or much of what he did last year beside on the offensive end. Uh, he was a former top prospect who was terrible in Cleveland. He did not pan out to even be a, a D-rated player. Um a lot of times that happens, new change of scenery, new life. Uh, that's what you, we saw in New York, and he became a cult hero. <laughs> he is a great defender, and that will keep him in the lineup um, if his bat cools, which I think it could. He had a 219 ISO last year, a three, 350 BABIP, and a 133 OPS+. Plus. I, I'm just not sure if I buy this slugging, um, and I would rather target a Voight. I would rather target a Hick for cheap Yankee exposure than him. I'd rather target an Andahar when he's in there, um, other than Ursula. But now that Andahar is back and ready to go in there, this defense, which is something of a calling card from him, that even when he was struggling at an offensive end in Cleveland, that's something that he was still really good at. I'm only to keep that up uh, because Andahar is the inf- in our uh, um, well. Superior. I'm saying inferior. No, uh, <laughs> Andujar is the superior bat in this in this battle, um, and we already have. Or, but he he Andujar just can't play defense, and I'll get to that in a little bit. He doesn't really have a defensive spot. He's they're going to try and play him everywhere. But Ursula is 28 years old now. I think last year might be the best he, you're ever going to see from him. I'm not expecting so much. Uh, Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he will continue to, to improve as, as he did because the change of scenery and he's just he, – he figured things out later in his career. But I need to see more of it other than what he did last year to completely buy in and, and give him this this pedigree that many people are pegging him for. I, I personally do not want to do that yet. I, I don't see it. I think it might have – I think it was more of an aberration than the normal. Um, and I'm willing to uh, stay on that hill whether I, I it does me good or does me bad. Anyway, you'll never hear me argue with you, plant your flag somewhere because you, you can't love everybody and you have to take a stance on certain players. So he's the guy that I took the stance on. I'm not ex- I'm, I'm expecting slight regression. Don't get me wrong. I don't expect him to necessarily, you know, bat th- like 314 again. Um, you know, the OBP was good, but realistically, he didn't draw a lot of walks. He drew 25 walks in uh, 442 at bats. So I would expect some slight regression when it comes to his overall production at the plate. But I do think he's pretty much I wouldn't call him real deal. I do think I do think that it, it is he's going to be a staple in this lineup regardless, though. I love him. I absolutely do love him. I think that, you know, the two high 290s, 290 average is a realistic expectation, I think, maybe down from the 314. And I think that uh, might be just a low. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity for him. Uh, home run total 21. I think we could peg him for that again, even if and I'm talking about adding about a few hundred 
at bats over a full course of a full season. If he's playing 162 games and he's a starting third baseman, I think that 21 to 25 home run ratio is right there. And he did that in 442 at bats. So I'm not expecting him to come out here and hit 30 to 35 home runs. I don't think he's that type of guy, but I think he's a great overall baseball player. I think he's a great fielder and I think he's got a very, very good bat and it's, he's going to be a staple in the lineup in my opinion. So we'll see how that kind of pans out. I think that's enough to say about Giro Urshela. We're not expecting a high price tag. The only downside to him is when we're talking about the guys playing the corner infield spots, we're really looking for that power from a third baseman. And there's a lot to be left on the table when it comes to power for him. Um, Keep it going, brother. Let's start Miguel Andujar. I mean, uh, you've been just cranking through him, so I'll pass him on to you. Why don't you break down Miguel Andujar? Uh, Full healthy season, looking like he's only probably going to play DH because he is not a good fielder whatsoever. Runner-up rookie of the year in the AL. uh, Who won it that year? uh, We won't even get into that. The guy guy who can play everything, uh, pitch and hit. That's who who he lost the rookie of the year out to two years ago. But, yeah, Andujar's 25, uh, shoulder surgery and injury derailed his season last year he, he he when he was in the when he was playing he didn't really look healthy and he wasn't and when he wasn't he was just out of couldn't get anything from him but this guy's a monster bat a gap hitter if i've ever seen one uh easily able to make this lineup but it's the matter of can his glove make this lineup and that's the thing with ursula ursula's glove is definitely lineup ready um but whoever's in this lineup is going to get the pitches, so you, you have the ability to capitalize when you have so many stars around you that people are going to give you pitches to hit. Uh, but is there a spot for Andahar? And that's the question. He can pretty much – he can't play third base. Uh, he kind of could, but he had he was so bad at defense that they can't risk him out there uh, for his really good bat because this team is so stacked that you don't need another hitter at the moment, you, you'd love to have him in the lineup, but uh, they need to find a spot for him. It's I think his best spots are first base or DH. And at the moment, those spots are taken. Um, but can Stanton get into the outfield and open up a spot for someone else, uh, him or Hicks, to, to get in there? That's the thing that we got to see. But if he can, um, in a small sample size in his rookie year, he hit 27 home runs, 92 RBIs, 83 runs, a 297 average he didn't take his obviously as a rookie, you're not going to take so many walks. He was only at a 328 OBP, but a 527 slugging bolstered by 27 home runs and 47 doubles. Wow. Uh, he only struck out 97 times in 149 games, too. So he was making a lot of contact. And you can tell by his 316 Babbitt. That's just insanely low for a guy who. Almost batted 300, and his BABIP was only 316. So that tells me how good he actually did uh, getting contact on the ball and how unlucky he was when he did that. Uh, his ISO was 230, another guy over 230. Um, in his one year, because it, that's all we can go by, it is one year in, in the majors pretty much because I'm not counting last year, he crushed righties. He struggled versus lefties, which would put him in a slit. Um, um, a platoon, but I don't know why he crushed righties. It's a lot like I've been saying. This team's predominantly right-handed, but they're better against righties. I it doesn't make sense, but he crushed righties, and uh, that's where I'd want to target him, especially when he's in this lineup. He's going to be super cheap. He didn't play last year, and th- there's not going to be many expectations for him. Yeah, he's a, he's a sexy bat. I, I think you just I'm not even going to really add anything. You 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 nailed it right there, dude. 
gap hitter, doubles machine. So that's one thing. Um, when you break down his stats, I was like, oh, please don't say the doubles. I really <laughs> want to say how many doubles he has. I, I'm looking at my notes. It's the number one thing I've circled for him. This guy's a gap hitter. Um, fantastic bat that they're going to be really looking forward to getting back in their lineup. But he can't play the field to save his life. Let's just, you know, it's one of those guys that when you we were just talking about it, laughing about it on air the other day, where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, service time. Uh, we need to work on his field. Like, no, they, they needed to work on his field. Like, that's the only thing that this yeah. dude doesn't have ready for the MLB is his fielding. But hopefully they can find a way to get him in there because I agree with you. I think he's going to have a cheap price tag that we could take advantage of. But um, before we move on to this pitching, is there any other hitters that you would like to mention? I mean, we could talk about a few, I'm sure, between Mike Ford and Clint Frazier. Um, Talkman. But, but, um, yeah, all, honestly, all three. Anybody in this lineup on the right slate – we don't we won't get into because we're we are going a little lower later here because there's so many fucking bats. Sorry. No, I bleep myself there. Uh, there's just so many guys in this lineup with talent. And even if you have somewhat talent, like um a Mike Ford is not a great player, obviously, but he's going to be batting in this supremely talented lineup. Uh that gives you an opportunity to do anything on any given day when they're all healthy. So yeah, we could talk about Talkman Ford and Clint Frazier. But um, I mean, let's let's not spend so much time on them. I'm Talkman is a lefty, Ford is a lefty. So if they want to get the lefty righties like mix up in there a little bit more than nothing, uh, maybe they they'll get them a few more at bats. But I would target them on the right slates. I mean, if you want Yankee exposure, you're gonna have to take some of these lower guys lower in the order and, and lower price guys because everybody else is going to be super high but uh they're they're not going to be my first options and i don't know if clint frazier is going to get playing time he you mentioned trades before uh andahar and clint frazier are probably the two most tradable guys on this team not because they're not talented because they don't really have a spot one uh this team is just feel, uh, has a gluttony of offensive talent and you will get something in return from them. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're one, uh, one pitcher injury away from shipping these guys out of town. Um, <laughs> that's what it comes down to. I mean, this, this is uh, the most championship ready team possibly one in MLB. Yeah. One more. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, after losing Severino, we know Paxton's an injury risk. That's just always walk in Tanaka and half two older guys looking T- like they're on the down end of their career. So Tanaka has been pinching through that, uh, partial UCL tier for what feels like a decade. I don't know how he's been doing it this long. <laughs> And it's crazy when you talk about a guy that has like put so much spin on his pitches. That's the most pressure that happens to the elbow when you're talking about sliders. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a little weird, but yeah. we'll keep it moving. So that's a perfect segue to the pitcher, Santino, is that if anything happens to these guys, I wouldn't be shocked if they do ship out a guy like Andujar or Frazier, one of their top you know, young prospects guys that they have that are also MLB ready. And that's the thing that we need to talk about. Prospects yield the biggest results in trades because of their potential upside. We're talking about these guys are top prospects who are ready to play right now as well. So they could definitely get some arms in return. But let's start with the new shiny new toy, the Yankee fan himself, Mr. <laughs> Garrett Cole. Went out and they paid for him, man. They, in typical Yankee fashion, they got the guy that they wanted. And you know what? I, th- I thought it was awesome that... All that uh, Garrett Cole as a Yankee fan thing was kind of under the radar until he actually signed. And then he brought his sign to the press conference that he had when he was a kid in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Uh, 203 innings pitched last season, 15-7 and seven with a 3.06 ERA, 269 strikeouts. Talk about him, Santino. Are you? So am I excited? Yes, I'm excited. 
Uh, is that what you're going to ask me? But um, Garrett Cole, people forget that this guy was the former top prospect in the game uh, in the early 2010s. They forget that he was the number uh, top prospect. He was literally the top pitching prospect in the game and a top one to three prospect. I can't fully remember, but he was up there. And so were a couple people on this on that Pittsburgh Pirate team. Some people forget that he even pitched for the Pirates for so long because he was just that dominant. Uh, or he, but uh, not dominant. But uh, the one thing that he did do is he got injured a little bit, not greatly, but he did get injured a couple times. Uh, but his career ERA in Pittsburgh was 350. He was no slouch. Um, and then first he had over 200 strikeouts one year. He had just under 200 strikeouts another year. But then all of a sudden he went to, oh, I'm sorry, he finished fourth in the Cy Young one year and he made an all-star team on the Pirates. But then he's transferred to, or he went to Houston and then just something clicked. Uh, he ERA under three both years, uh, 276 strikeouts that first year, a whopping 326 strikeouts last year. Um, he's pitched 400 or 200 innings four of the last five years, and uh, that's something that I, I expect to continue. He's going to pitch 200 innings again this year. He's going to have this lineup behind him. That's something we'll say with this entire pitching staff. You have this lineup behind you you're and this bullpen, who we'll touch on just briefly at the end. Um, your chances for a win, this is probably the greatest chance for a win that any pitcher in the major leagues could ask for even if you're pitching suspect that game because this is the best bullpen in the league and this is one of the top three liner lineups in the league uh, but this guy's a stud he's, he's just he has a high floor because of this insane k rate uh, his k rate last year was 13.8 uh, the year before that in houston 12.4 that jumped he never his highest before that was nine so something just clicked when he went to um, houston and if it keeps up I mean, you're going to have to pay for them, but in the right circumstances, pay for them. Yeah, I think that's, you, it. that's it. Yeah, exactly. K led the majors in K rate the past two seasons. Let's just be, you know, 12.4, 13.8, uh, 326 strikeouts, led the MLB last season, highest FIP or lowest FIP, 2.64 FIP, ERA plus. He led the majors. I mean, this dude's an absolute stud. He led the majors in ERA. Um, we, we, we can't say enough about him. The 326 strikeouts. The dude's in a tank. I mean, when we're talking about guys leaving Pittsburgh, I think that's the biggest benefit. I think that's why we saw the jump. It's not necessarily that he went to Houston. I think it's that anytime we, you know, the way that Pittsburgh was kind of their coach, like Ray Searich, very old school pitching coach. We see so many pitchers. We can say the same thing with Glass now. Once they find a new home, they they actually get to work on stuff. I mean, the the the. Pirates had like an old school pitching mentality when guys were there and it was, hey, just throw strikes, do this, do what I'm telling you, don't switch things too up. They didn't, they weren't very analytic driven or anything like that. So I think it should be no, no surprise. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm going to this year. I know we're talking about a different team now. Um, excited about some of these Pittsburgh pitchers because now they have a new pitching staff in there. Um, I think that that was the main fault to a lot of those guys that while they were there, they weren't getting the best out of their players. And once they went to new places, they did. Shocker. Crazy. I know. Um, and also it helps that the Astros have some of the best analytic team and some of the best pitching staff in the, in the majors. We've seen how many guys can, uh, keep, keep their careers alive there and actually just, you know, start and rebirth their careers while they were there. So I'm really looking forward to them. I would expect, uh, the ERA to, you know, rise a little bit if they are pitching in Yankee stadium, 
it just is what it is. But we'll have to see what they do with the, the MLB, with if they're playing in neutral parks or how they're going to do it. But um, I would expect that to probably rise a little bit. But the strikeouts, everything else will be there. He'll probably finish as the number one pitcher, and it wouldn't shock anybody in the world. He, he, the kid's an absolute stud. So uh, we'll keep it going, Mr. Santino. Um, I mean, now Tanaka, I guess, Paxton, whatever one you want to call their number two. I would probably say my opinion is Paxton, but he has to stay healthy for that entire entirety. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about Mr. James Paxton? Because, you know, he was a guy that was not expected to start the season um, healthy. All this time off has benefited him, and it looks like he's going to be good to go. Uh, we talked about it the other day a little bit. That he's been working on some things um, as far as his spin rate, mechanics, things like that. Uh, during this time off and you know that could be a big factor to a guy that already has an unreal spin rate on the ball one of the hardest throwers in the game probably one of the best strikeout upside pitchers in the game and I'm really excited about it because he's not a guy that we're gonna have to pay for that has that strikeout upside so you know we're talking about his caper nine the past three seasons he's had at least a 10.3 at the lowest 11.7 in 2018 and then last year 11.1 always going to have it. We talked about the bullpen. We talked about the lineup. So all those things, just another boost. We get more points out of them that way. To me, it's just injury. If this dude can stay healthy, he's got some of the best stuff. Uh, but why don't you talk to me about what your expectations are for Mr. James Paxton? Yeah, you mentioned the spin rate. Uh, his spin rate on his breaking breaking stuff was already really good. Um, but the, the spin rate is he's focusing it on the fastball, uh, which he was, I think, in near 170, uh, ranked 170 in the in his fastball spin rate among like 250 or pitchers who faced at least 250 batters. So an improvement in that is going to go a long way. Uh, but again, I I think Tanaka is the number two just because of longevity and whatnot. But Paxton, the last two years were the most he's ever pitched in his career, and that is 160 160.1 innings in 2018. And last year, uh, 150.2. So he's not a guy who's been healthy uh, in three straight, but he has three straight years of 10 plus K per nine. So he does have that safer floor because he has that wipeout stuff. Some games he does get blown up. Some games he goes the distance uh, that he did a couple of years ago too. Uh, but last year, 382 ERA, 186 strikeouts, uh, 386 FIP. So his ERA and FIP were pretty much the same. 128 WHIP and 11.1. K per nine, but something that jumped out, he had his highest walk rate in a few years at 3.3 walks per nine. Um, his, his ERA plus was 116, so it was similar. It was near league average. It wasn't that as great. Um, but he is a nice, cheaper or non-expensive option with high K upside. Um, lefties hit him harder, which is weird um, because that's what – well, not weird. That's what he is. But um, – Against a predominantly right lineup, as like the Yankees are, I definitely want to target him. And one thing that I do want to say, he is a free agent after the end of this year. I like to say that about a lot of people because when they are a free agent and he's 31, so this will be his last contract. Um, he is a free agent at the end of the year. He is going to be looking to get paid. Uh, so a shortened season might benefit him. So maybe he can go longer innings. But a free agent at the end of the year is always someone that I want to target because they want to get paid and their their mindset is this is my time and this is, will be his last contract. So uh, just know that every time he's going out there, he knows that's extra dollars in his in his bank account. 
We love those contract years from guys, and you hit the nail on the head. The short season is going to benefit him, and it's going to actually hurt the team that signs him. Let's be real. He's going to get paid if he pitches every start that he has and doesn't need any time off. And I'm sure this is a dude where, you know, whatever the postseason looks like, he'll probably pitch great in the postseason as well just to drive up that, that asking price on him. So whoever does end up paying for James Paxton, I feel sorry because I love his stuff. Um, but the injury concern, like you said, it's always going to be there for him. I mean, he's he's never pitched more than 160 innings, and the dude's 31 years old, and he's got lights-out stuff, and that's usually what leads to arm issues. It's the way that the spin rate on your slider and things like that, that it puts a lot of ten, uh, pressure on the tendon in your elbow, the UCL. So um, I, I, I'm going to love him while he's healthy, and I'm going to target him definitely because of that K upside. Um, and hopefully we do get to see him go a little longer in the games. But it wouldn't shock me if the Yankees really want to lean on their bullpen for the most of their season, especially if expanded rosters come, because the biggest worry that they can have is not having a healthy team in playoffs. We've seen that happen to them, and that's the biggest detriment. So if they want to baby Paxton and only pitch him five, six innings max, like you said, it's good to go off a pitch count necessarily, not necessarily innings. Um, it wouldn't shock me, though. So we got to kind of monitor that situation. Maybe I don't play him in the first start. Maybe maybe I wait the second start, or the third start to actually get some action in on for DFS, just to kind of see what the what the uh, you know the pitch total looks like, and maybe we yeah. get some news prior to the season starting where they say, hey, we're only going to pitch him 90, 90 pitches. That's it. We want to have him for playoffs. If that's the case, he's not a guy that we can look at until the salary affects it, um, to the point where he's getting stupid cheap because of the pitches, <laughs> and then you can still see him go out there, throw ninety pitches, and get ten Ks. He's that he's got that upside. So that. Hey, we'll have to we'll have to monitor the news and uh, see the workload. Other than that, good to go for me. Yep. Keep it moving. Masha Hiro Tanaka, your number two, my number three. Uh, let's just say he's coming off an uh, absolutely dreadful year. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if, if we can, you know, put enough emphasis on that. One of his worst career years. I mean, I don't I get it, he's getting up there in age, but I don't think he can have much of a worse season than he did. So why don't you break down a little bit of the Masahiro Tanaka, what you're thinking uh, his season is going to look. Are you expecting that bounce back or are you, are you thinking he's just getting up there in age and this is what we can expect? I mean, he's only going to be 31 this year, so he's the same age as Paxton. Uh, second worst. He feels ERA so much older career. than that. I mean, yeah, I, it's because crazy he, that you said he's only 31. Yeah, he, he, I don't, he, has, he just looks older for some reason, and it feels like he's been around for so long. Um, I don't know what that that is, but so he's like 35. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like he, he looks older. Um, but the highest innings pitch he's ever had in his career is 199.2. So he's never hit that 200 plateau mark in his career. Uh, that's something that, especially this year, if we expand the rosters, you can manage his him and Paxton even more. Um, but he had a 4.45 ERA last year, uh, 4.27 FIP, so a little better. In independent pitching wise, 124 whip, uh, and only 7.4 K per nine. That's the the biggest downgrade that he has in his career. Um, that's second time he's ever had 7.4, and it, it's funny because the second besides the rookie year, his best season was when he had 7.4 K per nine. I don't know why that's a thing, um, but last year he actually made the All Star team, so he was awesome right out of the gate, and then things just fell. Fell on his face. Uh, he finished 11 and nine. There's really not much that I want to invest in Tanaka. Um, he's never had more than 14 wins in his career. So he's even with this lineup, I don't know if I can see him getting 15, six or 17 plus wins. Um, he's not going to go deep, deep into games. 
he'll pitch he'll pitch pretty well probably six innings or so but he you're never going to see him go eight nine ten or almost like ten jesus uh, eight or not seven eight nine um i Love just don't he's it, he he's been successful pitching with that slight ucl tier and i don't know how he's done it for so long but it's sapped his upside uh the last three years his best era is 375 uh his best fip in the last three years is 4.01 it's just sapped his upside, and he's he hasn't been that lights-out pitcher that he burst onto the scene with since. And, and lefties hit him hard. Uh, lefties hit him hard. So if there's a lefty predominant lineup against him, I definitely don't want to look at him. Uh, obviously, he's you look at anybody in the right slate and the right price tag, but I'm not actively going out of my way to play Tanaka. Yeah, I think that you're going to end it the way that, and that's all I have to say about him, really. It's going to be very slate-dependent for me. Uh, one of those middle of the weeks where we're not looking at a lot of aces on the mound. You're kind of dumpster diving and just trying to find a guy that, he's a great cash game type of pitcher on those types of slate. You're never really buying into the upside. He's not going to go out there and strike out 12 people. Uh, he's not going to pitch too deep into games because of this bullpen. But he's got a very good chance to get you quality start. A very good chance of coming away with it with a win. And he's going to most likely limit most of the damage that's being done to him. Um, so I think from that aspect, he's going to be useful. We can target him in the right situations, but not a guy that I'm overly excited about. I think that, you know, I know last year he was struggling with some of his best pitches, which is crazy. Like he was getting crushed on his uh, on his slider and his splitter. And those are two of his best pitches. So. You know, I think that we're definitely looking at a bounce back. I don't think we're going to get a, you know, K per nine of a nine or even close to a 10 or anything like that. I don't think necessarily it's going to be 7.4 again. I got it right around in the middle, probably right around that eight range. And he's going to be serviceable. That's it. Not Nothing too great about it. It's I think the Yankees would, you know, much rather have Luis Severino be healthy and have, you know, Tanaka be their four or their three. And that he's a great four or three. He's not a great two or three at this stage of his career. And Again, uh, you know, it is what it is. We're not, we're not, we're not expecting too much from him. And uh, he'll put, he'll put a couple, put some food on the table for a couple people, I'm sure, throughout the season. But we'll keep it moving. J. A. Happ, we'll keep it moving. Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I hate J. A. Happ, man. J. I don't even want to spend too much. Again, oh. another guy. He can't have a worse season. He literally cannot have a worse season. That's the upside. The the thing. Pretty much what we said, I said about Tanaka, what we said about Tanaka, is how I feel about J.A. Happ. Uh, he'll be, what, 30, 38 in October? Um, they brought him back for depth, and then Severino got hurt. Now he's the favorite for that number five spot. Uh, he's not go, I'm not going to go out of my way to play this guy. Uh, he's just an aging veteran that you, you'd like on your team as a depth option, fifth option. But uh, I'll play him on the right slate again if, if it looks right and the price is right. I'll, I'll look into him because he does have up, he has upside to have a few good games, but I'm not going to risk my wallet to go out of my way to play this guy. Yeah, he's going to get shelled more often and he'll do well, but he'll always be that low owned option in GPPs that on the right slate nobody's going to want to sniff this guy. And he's going to have a few good like few good games. Let's be real, all pitchers do. As bad as you are, you will have a couple good games. And maybe in a shortened season, you're the guy that's willing to, you know, sacrifice a couple bucks trying to figure that out. But I'm not. Um, I love how you boy. skipped him. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Jordan Montgomery. <laughs> the yeah. the real is, guy that we wanted. He's their number four about. starter. Yeah. And this kid, we, we've seen good stuff from him. Um, 
I, I like him. I think that this is a great opportunity for him. I think that the injuries really paved a path for him. He's going to be a starter for this team for quite some time. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that works his way up into the rotation to the point where he's like an all-star, necessarily a household name. Maybe he does have that sort of upside. Maybe you could shed some light on him. Uh, but a guy that I think is going to be a, a, a very foundational piece of their rotation for years to come, as that three or the four kind of starter. So, you know, break down Jordan Montgomery, what you're expecting from him. Are you expecting him to go deep into games? I don't think we're honestly expecting any of these pitchers to go too, too deep, but um, enough to at least get us the quality starts that we're looking for. So I think Montgomery is their number four starter. Uh, Hap wouldn't have started if Severino was there. Um, and Hap might not even, I mean, there's still Lasuega and Bettis that could, could jump in there. But yeah, I am a fan of Jordan Montgomery. He was he he didn't he only pitched uh, what was it two games last year or one start two game either two games and one start or two two starts no oh, that doesn't make sense two starts in one game so yeah <laughs> one I, I started correct, one game <laughs> I found out my own answer to that question <laughs> he pitched uh, two games last year started one um, <clears throat> and then the year before that he only had six starts if he was healthy. He would not be so under the radar right now. Um, his rookie year, he finished sixth in the in the league in rookie of the year voting. Uh, he he had a 3.88 ERA, 4.07 FIP, um, 8.3 K K per nine ratio. The guy is good. He is pretty good, um, and he's someone that I definitely want to target more often than not. Assuming he's going to go deeper into the games, and assuming this shortened season lets them get more innings uh, because he's only had he's only had seven starts in the last two years in the major leagues um, and that's a total of 31.1 innings in the major leagues so they're not going to rush this guy um, and then throw him to the the lines and have him pitch six seven eight innings all the time but he is very talented and if they let him go six frequently he is probably going to be um, maybe one of, maybe my favorite pitcher on this, on the team, just because of his price tag. Uh, I know I'm saying that and you're saying, oh, wow, they have Jer- Garrett Cole. Uh, that's r- r- stupid. Yes. But his, this guy's price tag is going to be super cheap and, um, he's only going to get better. I thought if he didn't get hurt and he stayed healthy, I thought he would be a, a more of a, especially in New York, because these solid players in New York are household names because of the market. I thought he would have been a household name because of the market, um, but he's 27 years old. I expect not big things because I don't know how much they're going to push him with this insane bullpen, but I expect pretty good things from this guy. Uh, and then the years following, I expect a lot more. Yep. Uh, same, same sentiments. I think he's got some talent. I would, uh, I'm not the best strikeout pitcher, you know, kind of a guy that's really good game manager. He's got some good stuff. Uh, but anybody in this line or any anybody in this rotation should come away with wins, and that's where you get a lot of your fantasy stats or fantasy points from. So I will uh, I will agree with you on the sentiment that he's going to be dirt cheap, and I'm going to have some exposure to him. That's bottom line. I, I think that the only thing I'm worried about is if they're trying to use this season as a, like a vault for him to kind of get his innings back up, and then next season all of a sudden he's coming out there pitching you know 180. 190 type of innings pitched. Um, 
we got to see because the one season that yep. he did pitch was 155 during his rookie year. And that's even a shocker to get 155 during your rookie season. You know what I mean? To even throw that many during a rookie season, that's actually pretty good. So I don't think they're afraid to throw him that much. But if any team has been afraid of injuries, it's the Yankees. So they might want to use that bullpen just to keep all these guys preserved for playoffs. But we will see. So let's talk about this bullpen real quick before we wrap up. We touched on it. They're excellent. You're not targeting too many teams going against the Yankees simply because that bullpen doesn't matter if you get to the guy early and you can knock three or four runs off in the first few innings. When these guys come in, it's not a welcome sight. Uh, between Adovino, Britton, Chapman, it's the best one, two, three punch in the league, in my opinion. Tim Conley is really good. Luis Sessa yeah. had a pretty good year. Um, but yeah, those that big three is the best big three in in any bullpen. Uh, Chapman is Chapman. We, we don't really have to touch on him if you don't know Chapman by now. Uh, you've been living under a rock. Adam Adovino has been probably the best setup man that the best setup man that no one talks about the last few years. Last year he had another ERA under two at 190, um, and he is a right-handed pitcher. And his counterpoint counterpart as, as another setup man, Zach Britton, is a left-handed pitcher. So they have you on both sides. And another guy who had an, an ERA under two last year. Uh, if you get to the seventh inning, this team has. Britton, Adovino, and Chapman, there is – if you can find – you're just on lockdown there. Uh, Britton was one of the best closers in baseball when he was closing for the Orioles, and then he got hurt and then came here. Um, but you have so much just talent there. And if something happens to Chapman, you have both of these guys who can close a game too. But any pitcher that can go six innings – uh, you can pretty much book them for for a, a win here if you're if you're in the lead because this bullpen is in awesome. It's just awesome. And I think that's enough, man. I don't think we yeah. need to say too much more about the bullpen. We already know how good they are. I think they're between them and the Astros might be two of the best bullpens in the league. Um, out of you know coming over from Colorado, just being able to be successful in that kind of park and then coming to any anywhere but Colorado, I guess you could say. <laughs> You're going to be good. So they knew what they were getting, I think, with him. And they will take Colorado's scraps and then take them <clears> to <throat> new levels. DJ LeMahieu and uh, Adovino. It's just. It's funny because they had Batances who just kept getting hurt. And then you replace a guy, Batances, who is fantastic stuff. And then you put Adovino there and you get an upgrade. How many times can you say you got an upgrade for losing Batances? The amount of times I've held Batances in fantasy baseball thinking that he might eventually be a closer for them, which is <laughs> unreal. I think I had him for two, three years in a row when in, in our league, Santino. But uh, as always, guys, um, you know, this podcast today is uh, is being brought by TVG. So welcome to our new sponsor, if you haven't already heard. Uh, you could join TVG by going to DFSCoachTalk.com. You get an exclusive offer, and it's a risk-free bet of up to $300, um, and also by uh, BetUS. So you can go to Bet. US, that's B-E-T-U-S dot com for all of your sports wagering needs. We love these guys. They just started and we brought them on and we've been working with them um, and we're excited about that. So if you guys can do that for us and uh, if you're looking for a, 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 you know, a charity to make a donation to, uh, MambaOn3.org is one that we've been working with uh, passionately. It's just, you know, we're, we're Kobe stands over here. Uh, I think everybody in the world is. And if we can do anything to help his foundation that he started um, and bring the movement to basketball and especially women's basketball, I think that's very, very important to us. So um, we're all for that. And 
check them out, guys. And if you can give us a follow on Twitter, you can find me at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Santino at Santino Cacone, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Uh, give us a nice quick follow. We'll, we'll be able to shoot some stuff back to you guys. If you have any questions on Twitter. And then if you could, give us a rate and review. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, podcasts are, can be found anywhere. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio. We are everywhere. Those constructive criticism means a lot to us. Even if you want to just say, hey, you guys are doing a great job, that means a lot to us, too. Uh, we really enjoy getting the feedback from you guys. So hit us up. We've already been running long enough, Santino. Yeah. I'm sure you got to... Uh, Jump, find your way down here relatively yeah. soon enough. So I will let you go. We'll skate out of here after an hour and 34 minute marathon on the New York Yankees, guys. Thank it's, you for listening. Sorry about the long podcast, but uh, the World Series favorites got to have a little more breakdown because there's just so much goodness Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, we were happy. And I'm glad that I got to do it with you, buddy. Um, yeah. Hour and 35. <laughs> yeah. I, I say that just because. I feel like that's the right thing to say, but yeah, uh, we don't mean it. <laughs> no, we don't mean it. We hate each other. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, from us over here at DFS Coach Talk, from Santino and I, take care, have a great weekend, and stay safe.